Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Welcome to all your smiling faces here in the room and everybody smiling online, assuming you're smiling online right now. We're glad that you've joined us. Hey, I just want to celebrate a few different things. First of all, Josh, um, man, what, what a blessing, huh? And what a cool song. So, Josh, whether you like it or not, we're going to celebrate you. Um, and what an appropriate song with our message today, too. So only God could time something like that. also want to celebrate uh, last Sunday. You know, sometimes we don't pause to give praise and thanks to God for what he's done. We had over a 1,000 people in the building last week uh, with kids and adults. That's awesome. And also 93 viewing units online, so households that tuned in as well. So God is doing incredible work. Thank you for your part in this uh, movement of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. We're excited. All right, so I want to acknowledge up front this morning that unfortunately, for many of you here in this room, you may be going through a significant trial right now. You're carrying a burden. You're facing something that you wish you weren't facing in life. And, and if it's not you, for most all of us here in this room, we know somebody, right? Somebody close to us. It could be somebody who's in your small group. It could be a family member, somebody you go to school with, somebody you work with. We all know someone who's going through difficult times. In fact, today, right now, you may be sitting behind somebody or next to somebody, and they're smiling on the outside, but inside they are really, really hurting. And so I want to speak directly to that today. Now, we're in this series called Voices from the Past, taking a look at some of the classic hymns from the Christian faith. And today, we're going to look at the lyrics from a song called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And the first words of the song start with that very title, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Now, I want to begin this message with a little Bible verse that speaks particularly to the privilege we have to carry everything to God in prayer. It's found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, where Paul says this, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Like, what a privilege we have to carry everything to God in prayer. And let me tell you my hope for the message today. My hope is that you will develop a true love for the presence of God through prayer. It's that simple, that you will develop a true, passionate love for being in the presence of God in prayer. Because my concern for the church today is that far too many Christians don't have that love of prayer, or they don't understand prayer, or they misunderstand prayer. You know, many think, well, you know what, prayer doesn't really work, or prayer is a chore at best and ineffective at worst. And so that's why I want to talk specifically about prayer today. And up front, we're going to cover three misconceptions about prayer right out of the gate here. First of all, many people believe that prayer is complicated. Prayer is complicated. And I just want to say, I totally get that. When I first became a believer, I thought that prayer was complicated. 
And I know I'm not alone because I actually read about another pastor a couple weeks ago who was describing his experience as a new believer, and it was almost identical to my own. First of all, as a new Christian, I thought when you prayed, you had to use really lofty language, like King James language, right? Like you had to pray, oh, Godeth in heaveneth, like, we beseecheth thou now to grant us us eth with thy presence us eth. And, you know, it was, it was complicated. And, and, you know, I got some good instruction. Uh, the, the church I, I came to faith in, they were really good about instructing me in the Bible and stuff. But I became pretty legalistic in my prayer life because I put it into a formula. Anybody do that around here? You make it very formulaic. And so whatever people told me, I decided, okay, that's what I got to do. And one of the first things I heard is, Brian, if you're going to be spiritual, you got to pray early in the morning. Anybody else heard that one? Okay, raise your hands if you've heard that. Come on, more of you have heard that than that. And I was like, oh, man. Like, I am not an early bird. I'm a night owl. So I'm like, okay, that's going to be rough. And then somebody came to me and said, you know, Brian, you need to pray. You should pray for at least an hour a day. And I was like, gulp. Like, that's going to be rough. Early in the morning for an hour. That's about the time I took up drinking coffee, by the way. First time in my life. And then somebody said, well, you need to pray in your prayer closet. So I'm like, okay, check. Early in the morning, hour, prayer closet. And then someone came along and said, well, you need to bind up the devil. And I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that meant, right? but I'm in my prayer closet binding up the devil while I'm praying, right? Just, I don't know what I'm doing here. And, and then someone comes along and says, well, you know, Brian, you need to pray to the Holy Spirit for some things and Jesus for other things and then God the Father for other things. And by that time, I'm just like, mind blown. Like, this is way too confusing. Like, am I doing it right? Should I hold my hands like this? Should I hold my hands like this? And you know, maybe I should have bound the devil before I prayed longer. I mean, it's all very complicated. And then I go to small group, and, and every small group, you probably notice, every small group seems to have this professional prayer, right? Like they're so good, you think they're getting paid to pray? It's like having little Jesus in your group. Jesus' brother is right there. And you're just convinced when, when he's praying that God's going, ooh, pay attention, that, that, that one, that was a sweet prayer. You guys, I don't know, but that, that guy right there. And I remember he's like quoting names of God. God, I call on you as Jehovah Rapha, the God of healing. I'm like, what? And, and he's praying specific scriptures, and he knows where all the verses are. Lord, as you say in your word in Isaiah 54.1, it's highlighted in green in the top right corner of my Bible. No weapon formed against me will prosper. You know, and, I, and I'm going, oh, man, my prayers suck. Right? This is, I, I'm horrible. I mean, that was so good. I can't do that. And so I was reeling after that small group meeting. I, I, you know, I'm kind of a competitive guy by nature. So I'm going, I am not going to be outprayed, okay? <laughs> I'm a young Christian. Imagine this. And, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to get in this game, I'm going big or I'm going home. And so I start looking up all these Hebraic names of God, right? I've got my scripture verses, and I just can't wait. You know, somebody finds me, Brian, would you like to pray? Oh, yeah, I'm, I was ready. God, I call on you as Jehovah Nisi, my banner. And God, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And God, you are Tavoya, you are good. God, your word is so good, it melts in my mouth, not in my hands. God, you are good. You're so good. You're good to the last drop, God. And like a good neighbor, you're always there. Amen. I was killing it, people, okay? 
in my mind. All right, so that's a slight exaggeration. But, folks, prayer is not complicated, and it's certainly not a competition. But a lot of people have that misconception, right? I know I did. I mean, true story. All right, so some people, a lot of people say, well, prayer is boring. <laughs> they might not say it out loud, but inside they're thinking, man, prayer is, is just, it's boring. Now, I want you to think about this. It's, you know, it's kind of interesting to me. It's kind of funny. Jesus, one time, you may know this story. Jesus goes off to pray, and he tells his disciples, I just want you to sit here and pray. That's it. Just sit here and pray. And when he comes back, what, was his, what were his disciples doing? Anybody? Yeah, they were sleeping. All right, who else can relate to that one? Anybody? Like, I totally understand that. I can't fall asleep. I might as well pray until I get to sleep. Some people believe they've taught me, you know, the devil will put you to sleep because he doesn't want you praying, right? So you can try that. But for some folks, I mean, staying focused in prayer, it, it can be tough. Like, we get bored. We have these ADD kind of moments. I'm sure some of you can relate to this. You know, I can remember getting started in prayer. God, I call on you and, ooh, look at that shiny thing. Right, or God, I, I, I pray for my friend. My friend needs Jesus, and I need uh, cereal. Alexa, order uh, Cheerios and toilet paper. And, and, then I, and then I'm totally off base. That happens. It's true. I know you guys can connect with this. So sometimes prayer can be complicated for some people. Prayer can feel boring. It can be difficult to stay focused. And then there's one more. Okay, one more. Some people have the misconception and they probably won't say this, but, but they're kind of thinking it. Does prayer really work? Like, if prayer worked, then why didn't God heal my grandma? Like, if prayer works, then why is my marriage still struggling so bad right now? If prayer works, I got this college degree. Why am I working a job that's beneath me? Why don't I have benefits yet? God, where are you? Like, did I do something wrong? Do you not care? Are you not listening? Or are you just going to do in your sovereignty whatever you're going to do anyway, and, and my prayers are a waste of time? See, too many people have misunderstandings about what prayer is and what prayer does. And so I think up front, we've got to embrace this truth. We've got to embrace this concept that we're not praying to a distant, uninvolved, hard-to-please God. No, no, no. We're praying to a loving, caring, personal God who calls us friend back to our song, what a friend we have in Jesus, and what a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. Listen carefully to what Jesus said about his relationship with his disciples. This is John 15, 15. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. I have called you friends. I mean, imagine this, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The great I am, the king of kings and Lord of lords also calls us friend. You know, Jesus was even accused of his haters who said, he's a friend of sinners. I mean, what a friend we have in this relational God who loves us and invites us to his throne of grace to find help in our times of need. So real quick, let me tell you the story behind this hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. It was written by a, name, a guy named Joseph Scriven, okay? That was his name. He lived in the 1800s. He lived in Ireland. 
and he fell massively head over heels with his childhood sweetheart. Okay, I mean, we're talking he was all in, every love card ever written, ever written, it was in his mind that was written for her. Like, he was 100% there, dedicating songs to her on the radio, like whatever, right? He was massively in love with her. Well, on the day before they were to be married, the day before, they rode on horseback to meet up together. And tragically, her horse bucked, knocked her off, and she hit her head on a stone. She went unconscious and then rolled into the river nearby. And just a few moments before Joseph arrived there, she died. Yeah. So if you can imagine, like, he rides up and there's his fiancée in the middle of this river. His life just unravels. And he decides, I can't live here even anymore. i got to leave Ireland with all the memories I have here. And he moves to Canada. But in Canada, he learns of the grace of Jesus Christ. He puts his faith in Jesus. And so now he falls madly in love, massively in love with living for Jesus. He actually dedicated his life to try and live out the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which technically is impossible. Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We can't do that. But man, he really was on fire for Jesus. He later took a vow of poverty. Okay? And he, he was handy. He could work for people. But as the story goes, he wouldn't work for anybody who had the means to pay him. He would only work for those who didn't have the ability to pay him. Remember last week, we talked about the author of the song, Amazing Grace. Does anybody remember his nickname before he became a Christian? Anyone? The Great Blasphemer. Well, Joseph Scriven's nickname, his name, his nickname was the Good Samaritan, always helping people in need. So a young lady sees this very godly man, takes an interest in him, he takes an interest in her, and he falls in love again, this time with a woman named Eliza Roche. And they were engaged to be married, and just a few weeks before their marriage, at the age of 23, Eliza came down with pneumonia and died. Not once, twice, people, he lost the love of his life. He never fell in love again. So years went by, and his mother was dying in Ireland, and obviously he didn't have the money. He didn't have the means to go see her because he had taken a vow of poverty. And see, he wrote her a poem. He wrote her a poem and sent it overseas to her. Well, the poem actually became very, very well-known, although he never, ever took credit for it. But years later, a friend of his was at his house and noticed some scribblings over there, some notes that he had taken early on when he was writing this poem. And his friend said, Joseph, did you write this? And Joseph said, well, to be honest, the Lord and I wrote it together. And so this poem that Joseph wrote for his dying mom is now the classic hymn that we've sung for several hundred years. What a friend we have in Jesus. And so I want you to feel the power of the lyrics this man wrote, knowing the story behind what he endured in life. He asked the question, can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer.
So we're actually going to do that today. We're going to take some things to God in prayer. And at the end of the message today, as I pray, we're actually going to do a little bit of praying for each other. As James said in James 5.16, it says to pray for each other so that you may be healed. <laughs> the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, if you're ever wondering, what does prayer do? <sighs> People, your prayers can push back the powers of darkness and defeat the enemy. Your prayers can calm a storm. Your prayers can heal the sick. Your prayers could save a marriage. Your prayers can comfort the hurting. Your prayers can invoke the very power of God. The Bible says to pray for each other so that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, we're not praying to a distant, uninvolved, uncaring God. We're praying to a close, intimate, all-knowing, all-powerful God who calls us And so today we're going to pray and we're going to trust God to do a mighty work. I mean, what a privilege we have to carry everything to him in prayer. Now, you may say, well, okay, how do I pray, Brian? I'm not sure I totally understand it. I get the misconceptions about prayer. How do I pray? Well, I'm going to make it really simple for you. I'm going to give you four very practical thoughts about prayer. Here we go. First thing is simply this. Sometimes you just talk to God. That's it. You talk to God like you would talk to a friend. Like what a friend we have in Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, he talks about prayer in a very simple and beautiful and intimate way. But I think it's important to understand the context from which Paul was writing. You see, Paul, he had always dreamed of going to Rome as a preacher. He thought, man, if I could just get to Rome and preach, that would be awesome. Well, he arrives in Rome but unfortunately not as a preacher. In this context, he's a prisoner in Rome. He's chained up 24 hours a day to a Roman guard. He's awaiting possible execution, by the way. And this, this is what Paul wrote from a Roman prison. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Paul says, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. I mean, how simple is that? How do you pray to God? You tell God what you need and you thank him for what he's done. Literally just talk to God. Does it have to be early in the morning for an hour in your prayer closet, binding up the devil? No, no, no. Can be, but it doesn't have to be. You know, Paul said elsewhere, pray without ceasing. And just so you know, that's not a nonstop formal petitioning of God. What Paul meant is that prayer is a nonstop awareness of God, that God is right there. He is with you. Around here, we call it doing life with God, recognizing that God is with you every moment of every day. You know, kind of like I might spend a day with Wendy. I learned to spend my days with God. You know, we shoot texts back and forth throughout the day. Nothing big, right? Just like, hey, how you doing? Thinking about you. What are we doing for dinner tonight? Whatever it may be. Literally just short bursts of consistent communication with God. And so you may start your day with God and say, God, this is the day that you have made. Thank you. Thank you for this day. Like I dedicate myself to you today. God, direct my steps. Give me your wisdom as I make decisions. You know, you go to work and, and you see someone who's hurting there. And you say, God, would you give me something encouraging I could say to her? 
Or God, help me with this presentation. God, help me as I take this test. God, I might encounter people today who don't know you. Would you give me a sensitivity to your voice to reach out to them if and when you want me to? It's just living with a constant awareness that God is right there and talking to him like you would talk to a friend. And I got to tell you, this whole concept revolutionized my prayer life. I mean, radically changed my prayer life. And it's a big part of what we mean around here when we say doing life with God. In fact, if you get this down, you may never, ever pray over a long period of time, but you will never, ever go a long period of time without praying. So just have that awareness that God is with you at all times. Sometimes you just talk to God like you would talk to a friend. Sometimes, though, you don't just talk to God. You can write this down. Sometimes you need to vent to God. You unload on God. I like the way Peter phrased it in 1 Peter 5, 7. He said, cast all your anxiety, everything you're worked up about, all your stress, all your tension, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do you realize it's within fair play to say, God, this makes me angry. God, I don't understand this. God, where are you? Like you can vent to him. You know why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. If you don't believe me, take a look at the Psalms sometimes. David, a man after God's own heart, man, he unloaded on God a lot. God, where are you? Why aren't you stopping my enemies? Why are you letting this happen? This is not fair. Why are the wicked prospering? God, where are you? Where are you? And I would say God cares about you. Just like when a child comes up, and your kids will do this sometimes. They'll express anger, hurt, disappointment, frustration. You don't push that child away. No, you draw that child close because you care for them. So sometimes you talk to God. Sometimes you vent to God. And sometimes you listen to God. Like you stop talking and you start listening. Jesus said this, my sheep know my voice and I know them. Jesus is the good shepherd, and we're the sheep. So it's his job to guide, and it's our job to follow. He directs, and we listen. You know, prayer was never meant to be just us asking God or telling God what we want him to do. Billy Graham once said this. He's talking about prayer. He said, prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. See, it's not just me speaking. It's also me listening. I like what Samuel said in the Old Testament, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak. You know, if you take that posture every now and then and say, God, I'm listening, guide me, direct me, I promise you, he will speak to you. Now, you say, well, is he going to call me by name and tell me what to do? Like, Joe, this is what thou shalt do. Probably not, okay? He can. He can show you what to do by writing on a wall. He's done that before. That's not typical. But the truth is, God speaks to his people in many, many, many different ways. We're actually going to do a whole series on that this fall. But let me just give you a short synopsis. If you want a guaranteed way to have God speak to you, a guaranteed way to hear God's voice, then open up your Bible every single day and just listen. Let God speak to you from his living and active word, because that's what he does. Now, I promise you, God will speak to this book right here. 
He'll comfort you. He'll direct you. He'll give you instruction. He'll guide you. Because the Bible says about itself, it's alive and active. So primarily look for his voice right here. But you know, God also speaks to you through circumstances in life. Just as you walk through life and you pray, God, would you open a door, close a door? Whether or not things work out or don't work out, God can work through circumstances and make course adjustments as you go through life. God can speak to you through a trusted friend in life. He may give you a word of encouragement, some word from another believer that empowers you in life. God can speak to you through a song. How often have you been in worship? And God just speaks right to you, like right to your heart. It's like, wow, God. God can speak to you through nature. He speaks through creation. And of course, God speaks through the still small voice of his Holy Spirit. It's not necessarily audible, but at times it's even louder than audible. So how do we pray? Sometimes you just talk to God like you would talk to a friend. Sometimes you vent to God. Sometimes you listen to God. But at all times, hear me on this, at all times, you give thanks to God. No matter what, you thank God for who he is. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your character. Thank you for your goodness. And folks, that's exactly what Paul did from a Roman prison, awaiting his possible execution. In other words, he could be beheaded at any time. And under that threat, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he penned these words. He said, hey, church, you guys, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Let me back up here. There's a key word. It's the word then. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Give thanks in all circumstances. Then you'll experience God's supernatural peace. God's peace that goes beyond our human understanding. Like it doesn't make sense. We can't comprehend it or explain it. It's God's peace in the middle of trials. God's peace in the middle of pain and suffering and hurt and confusion. I mean, how many of you would love to experience that peace at all times? Like, I know I would. And here's something I've realized about prayer. It's that prayer doesn't always change your circumstances. It may or it may not. Prayer may or may not change your circumstances, but it always changes you. Always changes you. So as we close here, I want you to feel the weight of these words. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And then you will recognize that true peace isn't the absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of God. Let me say that again. True peace is not the absence of problems. Mm -mm. True peace is found in the presence of God. And what a friend we have in Jesus. And what a privilege to carry everything to him.
in prayer. Let's do that right now together. Pray with me. In just a moment, if you have a particular burden and you'd like somebody to pray for you, we're going to have some volunteers in the alcoves on either side of the stage after the service, and they'd love to pray for you. But I'd like to just take a moment just to pray for each other. And I know you don't know the needs of the people sitting on your left and right, but I want you to pray for those individuals, the person on your left, the person on your right, because God does. And through his Holy Spirit, he can intercede. And so just join me in praying for those people. God, we know your word says that if we bring things to you, that you can bring healing. And God, maybe the individuals on either side of me, maybe they need physical healing this morning. And so I just want to pray for that. Maybe they're hurting. Maybe they're suffering. Maybe they're battling some disease. I don't know. But God, you are a God of healing. And I pray for that. And maybe the individuals on either side of me, maybe they they are struggling emotionally, psychologically. Maybe they're anxious. Maybe they're depressed. God, you can bring healing to that as well. And so we pray for that. Maybe they need spiritual healing. Lord, they need to know that you're near. I I pray that you would draw near to them and, and deepen their walk with you. Maybe it's financial, God. Would you provide for their needs? Maybe it's, it's marital. Would you, would you heal their marriage? Maybe it's with children or grandchildren, God. Would you bring reconciliation? I thank you that we have the opportunity to pray for each other. And I pray that we would take more opportunities to do that, just to go up to the people we love and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Because prayer is powerful and effective. It's not complicated. It's just like talking with a friend. It doesn't have to be boring. And it certainly works. So God, my prayer for my brothers and sisters today here is that we would learn to talk to you, just do life with you, invite you in like we would anybody else because you are really and truly there. That when we're hurting, we would vent to you and not hold back because you welcome that. God, that we would pause more often because we don't do this very often. We don't ask you to speak to us. We don't cultivate that ability to hear from you, whether it's opening up your word or just listening for that still, small voice. And finally, God, in all things, I pray that we would give you thanks because then we can experience that supernatural peace that only you can give. Lord, we love you. Thank you that we are your friends. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have questions this morning, maybe about having a relationship with Jesus, what that looks like, or if you have a prayer need, we're going to have some individuals in the alcoves on either side. We invite you to come forward. Otherwise, have a wonderful day in the Lord.